You're listening to DraftKings Network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Maze, I mean, are you guys in the best shape of your life? Oh, man. <laughs> I added about like 17 pounds of muscle this all season. What? Yeah, man. I added 17 pounds. Oh. Of muscle? Muscle, though, right? And is the best shape of your life round? It's a shape. Well, the question is, if you're part of the Illuminati and you're doing this show, is it really about muscle or is it about I added 17 sources or I added 17 new lines of communication? I added 17 vocal cords to help me do the show? Tom, it's always about muscle, baby. It's always about muscle. I've been cultivating mass, but luckily our robes that we wear are very slimming. Yeah, they're flowing. You can't really tell... What's going on under here in terms of shape? It's like a muumuu. Exactly. It's like when Homer started working from home <laughs> and got a muumuu and it all went to hell. Yes, that's what's going on over here at HQ. Muscle watch. I love media day purely to listen to NBA players talk about how they're in the best shape of their lives or to the pound how much muscle they have added and shouts to Lang Whitaker over at the Memphis Grizzlies, longtime NBA fixture, who coined the term hashtag muscle watch for this very reason. NBA players love talking about how much muscle they've added in the offseason. Shout out to Lang Whitaker, the white man with the blackest name ever. I remember the shock of my life when I saw Lang Whitaker's <laughs> 100% pure as driven snow. I was like, what? I thought he was a brother with a name like that. Not since Levon Kendall, Canadian basketball player who played at Pitt, had I ever seen a white man with quite a black name. Well, Lang Whitaker inspired so many people to keep track of this very important thing on Media Day. Michael Gallagher, Mike S. Gallagher on Twitter slash X said, muscle watch leaderboard today, pounds gained. You ready for this, guys? Mm -hmm. Evan Mobley with just seven pounds gained. Oof, he's got to up that. JT Thor, eight pounds gained. Scotty Barnes, nine pounds. Okay. Brandon Miller, Charlotte's own Brandon Miller, 10 pounds. Giannis, 11 pounds gained. What? How's Giannis still gaining pounds? Still not in the top five for pounds gained on muscle watch. Cumulative gained, though, since the beginning of... His rookie season. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of weight. Giannis added 11 pounds. He was eating a lot of brats, apparently. Got to carry Dame all year. Needs that weight. Jason Tatum, 12 pounds. Victor Wembenyama. So it's clear he's a rookie because he said 10 to 15 pounds. Bro, mm. welcome to the NBA. You can't do a range. You got to specify. We need numbers. Tom, you got to take it easy on him, all right? He's converting from kilograms. He's not sure. It's tough, okay? <laughs> Metric system adjustment is real. Did Rudy Gobert consult him? Does he have an opinion on that? Like how hard that was? Do not ask me about him. Okay. I do not want to hear about Victor no more. When you are parfait, perfect, comme moi, Rudy Gobert, 
You do not need to add any more kilo. Mark Williams, Charlotte, again, big muscling up season in Charlotte. Nice. 15 pounds for Mark. Mm -hmm. Walker Kessler, 15 pounds, ate a lot of food in the Philippines, apparently. Already a big kid, Walker Kessler. That's what he was doing on the bench in Manila. Mm. Add muscle. Max Christie, again, 15 to 20 pounds. We got to get rid of that range. Maybe the disqualification on this leaderboard. I don't think they should be qualifying if they have a range and they don't put an actual number. 20 pounds of muscle is, oof, all right. Peyton Watson from the Denver Nuggets. He's a skinny guy. Wins the muscle watch. He is the leader in the clubhouse so far. 20 pounds. I like it. Also hearing reports that Jovic in Miami Mm -hmm. also says 20 pounds. But Peyton Watson hits the muscle watch bingo because he said he went from 198 to 218 with good muscle and quote, I'm in the best shape of my life. Oh, the best shape of your life. That is always going to put you ahead. If it's a dead heat between two guys, one guy says, I gained 20 pounds. The other guy says, I gained 20 pounds. One of them says, I'm in the best shape of my life. Guess who just went forward? Mm -hmm. That's you, Peyton Watson. You said dead heat. Speaking of heat, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Media day. Dead inside. Jimmy Butler, we're going to have to begin with the obvious, which is a new look for you. Before we started, you said this was your emo stage what does that look like for you I'm just emotional right now a lot have gone on in the past week with basketball so you know i'm in wearing all black and then my emotions the bucks of tamper just show if you can name those emotions just that you have gone through within the past week what are those emotions so much has happened i was excited and then angry and then sad, and then excited again, and then pissed off, and then sad again. And now I'm excited. You just can't tell because I'm not smiling, but I'm very happy. He showed up sad and emo. He put on the guy liner. He had, I don't know if you noticed the fingernails. I didn't. Painted black. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's an essential part of it. Nose ring. The hair was the best part. Eyebrow ring. I'm working my way up there, Maze. Then we get to the hair. Laid into the side, looking like a black mom. A lot of emo band references, but my favorite comparison, because the hair is spot on like Jermaine Stewart. Yes. We don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. Way before emo. Jermaine Stewart, that's right. So emo was really drafting off of him. Look, emo is timeless, Tom. I don't need to tell you this. As a white who was a teenager in the 2000s, you know that... Didn't do the old emo thing. We did it a little different than everybody. We did a little more than everybody, but it's been around forever. The closest thing I got was belting out dashboard confessional like once in my life. There you go. Nailed it. I'm going to be honest. Qualified. I'm not. Tom was Haberbro, man. He was not in the emo <laughs> thing. Maze? I could definitely see Maze with the... Nah. <laughs> no? That wasn't my my vibe, no. I wasn't listening that type of music. Jeremy Taché, on the other hand. Wow. Oh, no, yeah. That man is representing very well right now. I've never seen a GM act this way before. I know Jame is gone, so I am trying. I know it's up to me now to score. Do people realize why Jimmy Butler is doing this? The whole idea of what Jimmy's doing, the satire, the mockery of media day is Mm -hmm. not just, hey, I'm going to 
look emo today or wear dreadlocks last year. The whole funny part of this, the reason why he's doing it is because this is what you're going to look like on TNT every Thursday night. Mm -hmm. That's the headshot. Yeah. Last year he did dreadlock Jimmy and we got to experience that for a whole year as one does. Once you get in the game, you have to raise the stakes for the next year. I would play the clip for you, but the audio is terrible. But Bam out of bio was flabbergasted by this. Jimmy said that he's got to stay in character and this is his Halloween. And he must have been planning this before this weekend, but it ended up working out quite well, given the events of what happened. We talk a lot about on this show, the breadcrumbs. I'm going to tell you about the breadcrumbs from emo Jimmy here from the Damian Lillard trade when he got upset, played a video and claimed that there was tampering on behalf of the Bucks. Yo, NBA, man. Y'all need to look into the Bucks for tampering. Y'all do. I'm just going to put that out there. Y'all didn't hear it from me, but I heard it through somebody. Y'all look at him for tampering. In the background of that video, that, my friends, is a song I don't know. But apparently, this is My Chemical Romance, a song called Helena? Helena? What, what, what's the pronunciation? No, Maze? I'm going to leave you hanging out to dry there. <laughs> you are coming to the wrong place of worship. You're expecting us. Jimmy Butler was listening to emo music while the Damian Lillard trade happened, and he recorded the video, and people were noticing, Jimmy Butler is listening to My Chemical Romance. And then he shows up a few days later on Media Day looking all emo. There are layers to this. Jimmy Butler doesn't do anything spontaneous. He thinks through these things. There are layers. There are breadcrumbs. This was not just, I woke up one morning, decided to go emo. But there are t-shirts now that have all sorts of Jimmy Butler puns on it. And I'm wondering if you guys like these. Shout out to Breaking Tees for this shirt. We got All Out Boy. That was Jasmine Watkins, right? Originally. Shout out to Jasmine L. Watkins. Himmy Eat World instead of Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World is fun. What about Jimmy Heat World? That one works too. I like Jimmy Heat World better. That was Brad Williams. Maze, I came up with that one. Mm. Some 22 instead of some 41. Absolutely not. Some 41 is an emo. That's punk, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of people push back on that one. Death Cab for Coffee. Little Inside Basketball, but I like it. What's the original band name? Death Cab for Cutie. Don't act like you don't know, I mean. Not quite emo like we're talking here. Okay. That's not makeup. That's just sad, sad boy music. What's the difference? The difference, I mean, is the look. The look that Jimmy was doing with the makeup and the piercings and the hair and the nails. That's emo. That's an emo look. Got it. But what does sad boy look like? They just look like normal dudes, Death Cab for Cutie, but they're singing very sad, emotional songs. Got it. So it's, it's easy to get tripped up here okay the real origin of this shit is the cure robert smith and the cure in the 80s had similar approaches to the look but it was called goth it was gothic music gothic rock 20 25 years before emo existed so the last one is backboard confessional and that one's good that's good i wrote down instead of my chemical romance there's two options here i'm wondering what you guys like better my cultural romance eh. no no long walk what about miami chemical romance better but still a long walk okay panic at the biscayne i like that that's the end of my list there it is. Nailed it. We got to send it over to Jeremy to see if these names, what his favorite one is. I think Jeremy's probably already started a band called Backboard Confessional, and <laughs> he'll have an album coming out later this week. So hold your breath, because tonight will be the night that I will ball for you over again. I'm dropping 45, or I won't live to see another day.
Because a guard like Dame's impossible to find. He's impossible to find. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but... all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illumin Army generals, Amin Hassan and producer Anthony Mays. They are the co-presidents of the Illumination. Media Day is in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. The season is right around the corner. It's upon us. We are a year removed from perhaps the punch heard around the world. But what was said preceding that punch had not been revealed until last Friday, Pablo Torre finds out an exclusive from his show at Metal Arc Media. Pablo Torre joining the program as a truth teller to talk about what was said, how he found out, and all of the different kind of layers on that story. But first... You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. Very weird seeing Damian Lillard in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. Drew Holiday was a blazer, but now is with the Boston Celtics. And there's this awkward thing where now everyone is saying, I'm so happy to be here. And yet the whole offseason was just where are all these different chess pieces going to be on the chessboard? And finally, I think we're at a landing point with this, right? Uh, no. A landing point? What do you mean? TBD, baby. Yeah. You think everybody's set? Oh, man. This is the lineups that everybody's going to have for the whole year. We're, we're done making trades. <laughs> this is it. In Portland, Milwaukee, and Boston. That's it. Everywhere. <laughs> the entire league. Lock your lineups. Everything's set. Well, also Philly, where James Harden doesn't show up to media day and is just MIA. No pun intended. Nowhere to be seen. Apparently, he is going to fulfill his obligations as a contracted employee to play for the Philadelphia 76ers, but he has not shown up. And there is no word whether he's going to show up in Colorado State for training camp with the Philadelphia 76ers. But the point is, the Dame trade is done. Drew Holiday went from Milwaukee to Portland and is now in Boston. They traded Marcus Smart earlier in the offseason, and then they get, in my opinion, a better defender in Drew Holiday. Where do we unpack? Well, I want to start with Joel Embiid's tweet 
This offseason was fun. LMAO. No, it clarified it's because he got married. That's why it was fun. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Got it. There are no mistakes, no coincidences. But we snuck it in in September. Update your September trade rankings. Is this on the level of Moses? I mean, or do we need to see the results in order to make that judgment? Or is it just, it can't even touch it? It can't touch it because Moses was the reigning MVP. That's the thing that's always, it's the combination of Moses reigning MVP Sixers had been to the finals two of the last three years, and that third year they've been to the conference finals. There is no other combination like that of combination great player, yes, thank you, and elite team that happened. Damian Lillard is great. He is not the MVP of the league. The Bucks are an elite team. They did not go to the finals two out of the last three years, even though they did win the championship two years ago. So I would put this number two, probably. Wow. Hear that, Donovan Mitchell? Yep. Sorry, Donovan Mitchell. Get back in the lab. Get traded somewhere else. This will be, the, I promise, the last time I mentioned the finder on this on this episode. Yeah, sure, it's not. But I looked at history and tried to find some deals that looked like this Damian Lillard trade to the Milwaukee Bucks of like, this is an all-NBA talent going to a team that has Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's not a lot of examples in history that you can point to but I came up with a couple. Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul to the Rockets to join James Harden. And what I'm talking about here is not like Kevin Garnett joining with Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. I'm talking about like one star joining with another star. And there's not a third star in here, like a third. Wow. All right. Yeah. All time Hall of Famer. Just go home, Chris Middleton. I know. I'm sorry. All apologies to Chris Middleton. But the parameters were NBA 75 player getting traded to another team with an NBA 75 player and no other NBA 75 players. I came up with two comps. I mean, I'm wondering your take on these two comps. Mm-hmm. Clyde Drexler getting traded from Portland to Houston yep. to join up with Akeem, which is eerily, eerily close to this Damian Lillard thing because of the whole Portland factor. Yep. And the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo is Nigerian. Nigerian also has won Depoy and MVP in the same year, which is what Akeem Olajuwon did. Also had won a title before Clyde Drexler and Damian Lillard came. And the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo just trained with Hakeem Olajuwon like a week ago. Full circle. I thought Chris Paul going to Houston Rockets is also an interesting comp. Not exactly what I was looking for. What about Russell Westbrook getting traded to the Rockets? I don't think he was all NBA. Was he all NBA at the time of the trade? Or was he years past? All NBA 2018-19. Yes, sir. He was all NBA third team. So not a bad comp. Except he got traded for a top 75 player. A little different. And Chris Paul. The other comp that I had here, 2007-2008 Dallas Mavericks. Jason Kidd joins Dirk Nowitzki. Okay. So how old was Jason Kidd at that point? He was 145 years old. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. When he got traded, he was old as shit. That's a very different player. He's shooting threes. He's collecting ARP. He's getting into early bird movie prices. He's 33. Wow. He was coming off a season in which he was an all-NBA, all-star player, and he was averaging 10 assists a game. He wasn't all-NBA in 2007. Well, 
Okay. All-star. He's all defensive team. He wasn't a thousand years old. He was the same age as Damian Lillard. No, he was a thousand years old. This feels like a Wilford Brimley and Cocoon situation. Yeah. We're finding out that him and Tom Cruise, <laughs> the same age, right? Jason Kidd at 33 and Dame Lillard at 33 are 10 years apart physically. I got one for you, which I thought you were going to go with when you said 2007, 2008. Pal Gasol to the Lakers. Yeah, not NBA 75. Pal's not top 75? What? I'm just learning this. Yeah. Not NBA 75. I stand corrected. So he doesn't count here. Wow. But that's a great comp if he was NBA 75. Anthony Davis made it and Pau didn't. Jokic didn't. Pau didn't. Dwight Howard didn't. Tony Parker didn't. Well, Tony Parker. Squeak? Yeah, squeak. You didn't squeak in. Le squeak say shake. My very first basketball show. I want to ask a question because we're in this limbo period before the new CBA is really in effect, mm -hmm. right? The second apron is looming on the horizon. We've got lots of people who are scared of it. We've talked about that before. Who's more all in for this season? Is it Boston? Who's looking at paying six players $180 million next year? Is it Phoenix? Who got rid of DeAndre Ayton for use of Nurkic because of fit? According to Matt Ishbia, that was there and not financial reasons, or is it Milwaukee pushing all their chips into the table with Dame and Giannis and Middleton and Brooke Lopez trying to keep Giannis who needs to win the title more this year? Who's more all in? I think Boston's lower on that list because of the fact that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are young, right? So it's not like if they strike out this year, it's all over. Whereas with Giannis and Milwaukee, if they don't do this, they could lose Giannis in a year. The window on Damian Lillard's career, it's more all in for this year than it is for the Boston Celtics when they have like another few bites at the apple because of how young their superstars are. This is what I'll say about Milwaukee. If it fails miserably, they have two risks, right? One is that Giannis can just walk whenever his contract is up or demand to be traded. The second is that Damian Lillard could say, see, I told you I wanted to go to Miami. Mm. So even though he's under contract for a few more years, Milwaukee, I'm not saying they have to win a championship, but they have to come across as they know what they're doing. They look like they know what they're doing in order to convince their guys. Right. I think Phoenix is interesting because there's a lot of, questions there there's not a pure point guard on the roster what do you mean use of Nurkic yeah well and then outside of Nurkic even size wise they're not what do you mean Devin Eubanks <laughs> problem solved yes there you go I mean Kevin Durant's seven feet tall yes he is seven feet tall well media day would have you believe he's 6'11 I think Phoenix has been spending money like it's not gonna be there next year we've talked about it since HBO took control it's reckless he emptied the cupboard of draft picks. Mm -hmm. He's maxed out financially the roster. They did pretty good work on the margins this summer before the Aiton trade. I feel okay about the return for Aiton. I don't feel amazing about it. I think it helps them tremendously, to be honest with you. Here's what I'll say. If it does blow up for Milwaukee, they have Giannis and Adekumpo as a trade piece that they could pivot and get a King's ransom for that guy. Phoenix Suns, can you say Devin Booker would get that sort of return? Would Kevin Durant? Yeah, I think so. If it blows up, you've got Kevin Durant at his age with his injury history. And the reason why it blows up is probably due to Kevin Durant either getting hurt 
or something happening with Kevin Durant where he's not nearly as effective as he used to be. If Milwaukee are out in the first round or second round, I think they can pivot better than what the Phoenix Suns can. I don't know. I, I think Devin Booker can get you a fairly significant haul. I think Bradley Beal. As Giannis? Not as Giannis, but like this, I mean, again. Well, let me just say this. I think if anything, it's been proven that there isn't a linear scale on this guy's worth this. Yeah. That means this guy's going to be worth this. So mm-hmm. Giannis is absolutely a better player than Booker, but I could see a way where Phoenix could get a return that would be comparable to what the Bucks get for Giannis just because that's the way this league works, especially when you're dealing with people who are looking for different sorts of things. And if you're going to give up the whole cupboard for Giannis, he can walk. So he's got this expiring deal after next season that maybe if he had an extension, people would feel a little bit more comfortable putting everything into the deal. Booker's under contract to 2028. No options. There you go. So to your point, Devin Booker would probably get more from that perspective is you don't feel like you're giving all your assets for a rental. I like how Tom's already trading Giannis. That's nice. And Devin Booker. Season hasn't even started yet. At the same time, and trying to see who's <laughs> going to get a bigger return. But is it that part of the calculus of more all-in is the risk, the stakes of going in? I actually think the Celtics are the most all-in right now. Really? Because I think the Porzingis trade is an extremely risky, unknown situation. And then they compounded that. And I think the Drew part of it makes sense. If it's on the table, you should... Make a move for that. He's an upgrade over Brogdon. He's an upgrade over Marcus Smart, like you said, Tom, who was already out the door. I think that makes sense at this point. But the financial situation of it, they really can't keep this group together more than one year. So if it doesn't work and they don't win a title with Porzingis and Holiday in the mix, they're going to have to make some big changes going into next year, going into second apron territory going forward. Meanwhile... Nikola Jokic is pissed to be back at work. I love that man so much. I'm over that shit. He's so grumpy. He hasn't even heard of Deion Sanders. Uh, that man will be <laughs> in the finals again. I'm over this shit. Because he hates his job. I'm wondering if Amin is going to go. Remember when Pop blows off the quarter end interviews and then does the whole DNP rest load management thing. And Amin was the first one on this in the very beginning is like, mm-hmm. hey, man. It's cool, but you're effing up everybody's money. Yep. This is all part of the brand, the NBA, that this entertainment side of the business is huge. You want to get paid $20 million a year to coach a 30-win team? So Jokic coming in and being upset to show up to media day or kind of apathetic to showing, oh, did you touch a basketball? No, I didn't really touch a basketball. Maybe once or twice. And Jamal's like, oh, no, he didn't even do that much. Like, I'm sick of that shit, man. It's not cute. It's not funny. It's not refreshing. Disagree. Look, disagree until you got a whole league of people saying they don't really like basketball. Then where are you going to be at? I don't really like this shit anyway. I like my horses. I like my DJing. I like my fashion. He's a unicorn in that sense. There hasn't been a player like him. It's not like he's inspiring people with his apathy. It's not like Steph Curry. But you saying like, hey, man, it's great to not have to show up to work. He's being honest that he doesn't like showing up to work and like all this extraneous stuff of like, I have to look like I'm really excited for media day and talk about the season and get really jacked up about the year. I think Amit's point is if other people see him blow it off and Jimmy Butler make a mockery of media day, then like it kind of hurts everybody's bottom line in some sense. I disagree. I think Jimmy Butler leans in the media day and he makes it fun and makes it his own, so to speak. But what I think about is you guys know what upfronts are? 
Yeah. For television? In TV. And TV, when there are new shows coming out, they have these things called upfronts. The networks will have an upfront. This is where they get all the advertisers in one place, and they get people who represent these different shows. Basically, they're selling them, hey, man, we got this new show coming out. It's a sitcom. It's got a single mom and this guy at her job and sparks fly. And this is going to be the biggest hit comedy. And you want to be this. We're going to have great numbers or whatever. Sponsors are like, yeah, I could see how this content matches with this product. We would want to get in contact with the network. You get them excited. You get them excited. Imagine if you came to the upfront and said, yeah, this shit sucks, bro. Ain't nobody trying to watch this shit. <laughs> Counterpoint, what if then you go ahead and make the best show on television? Sure, sure. It's not like it's affecting his play. No, no, no. Maze, you're mistaking. You want a showman. You want a salesman. I get it. Dude, we got to sell this shit, man. You want somebody to prop up everybody else. And by the way, his success makes it even more dangerous because people don't emulate the failures. They emulate the success. So if they see the champ, the best player in the league, the guy who's dominating every day, Treat this shit like it's a slog. Well, then guess what? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, man, oh, the training camp, oh, practice, oh, a game, oh, this champion, wow, great, yawn, commissioner's cup. We get this, it tumbles downhill where everyone's doing this shit because it is a lot easier to just be boring and lazy on media day and not excited for any of this shit. We're selling a product at the end of the day. I get it. Hey, man, if I'm great at my job, that's cool. That's not the only part of your job. We're all in this selling this shit so that we can all eat off of it. All of us. I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking staff members. I'm talking about media people. I'm talking about companies that sponsor our league. We're all making money off of the excitement that the NBA is fantastic. The NBA, I love this game. The NBA where amazing happens. Not the NBA like, oh, this shit again? That motherfucker should have showed up emo on fucking media day acting like that. He did. He's actually dead inside. He's not just faking it with lip piercings and straightened hair, okay? He's about that life. Look, man, I love the NBA because it's a place for everybody to be an individual. You got Kyrie on Neptune solving international diplomacy issues. You got Nikola Jokic just bummed out to have to be back to do his job. And then you got Jimmy Butler doing cosplay. It's fantastic. How about the all Serbian rejects? That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you were there for when Yusuf Nurkic took that answer and went in a totally. I was not. Oh. I literally left because I had to go do oddball. So I waited to the end of Durant and then Durant got up and Nurk was coming up on stage and I was just like, sorry. And I had to leave. <laughs> sorry, Yusuf. Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> summed up the culture shock of going from Portland to Arizona better than anybody I've heard in a long time. Let's roll the tape. On the flip side, your second question is tricky because they still don't know why everybody have to have so many guns. Like, I feel like that's kind of, you know, still don't understand to this day um, because I feel the kids um, should be safer in our schools. And, and, you know, I think personally, when you see the, even if fake guns, whatever, come up with the social media and kids having in school, I think it's a bad thing. And uh, sometimes you can't control certain things with these media, uh, all the social media, we have platforms. But I think our kids, you know, if we can secure them, the better, you know, world going forward, it'll definitely be without guns because all these wars and around the world is definitely not good for anyone, especially if people are going through that and losing their lives for no reason. The war doesn't bring anything, you know, just the sadness and heartbroken things.
And I feel like for the kids going forward in America on all poor earth, it's got to be a better place to live, you know, with a, with a more positive things. Nice. <laughs> What's the deal? He's like a Jerry Seinfeld bit. What's the deal with all these guns? What's the deal with us? But in all seriousness, really cool to hear Nurkic speak on such an important issue, especially when we've seen the way that other players handle the gun situation. Maze, how do you feel about the idea of him being a gun activist for every answer, basketball answer, he has to figure out a way to turn it into a campaign against guns. Hey man, how was your pick and roll last night with Devin Booker? You guys had 12 points in the pick and roll and you had a, you had a good three pointer in the closing seconds. How big was that for you? I mean, it's going to be pretty easy for him because he's got so many shooters on his team. Pretty good. Yeah. But you know, who's got more shooters, Tom? Who's that? Draymond Green. <laughs> I thought he just had one, <laughs> one really big shooter. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We should dig into this a little bit more. Yeah, we got to find some things out. Draymond Green, what was said that triggered him, triggered him oh. to punch ah. Jordan Poole across the jaw. Punch Jordan Poole across the country. Yeah. Washington. <laughs> In the words of Dujugati across the multiverse. <laughs> Coming up next, the voice of the show, Pablo Torre, joining us on Basketball Illuminati, this week's Truth Teller, in just a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You all think I'm licked. Well, I'm not licked. And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause, even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. There's no better way to overpower a trickle of doubt than with a flood of naked truth. But the complexity and the gray lie not in the truth. But what you do with the truth once you have it. What is true and right is true and right for all. You and I both know that that's just not the truth. You can't handle the truth! It's too messy. Keeps them up nice. I'm here because in the end, the truth is worth the risk. Speak a little truth and people lose their minds. I'm a grown man. You can tell me the truth. Why is it people want the truth never believe it when they hear it? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something really outrageous. I'm going to tell the truth. Truth. 
I am so excited to welcome in our truth teller for this week. It's, I think, like two years in the making. The last time that the group of us have been together was Pablo at Moss Miami oh. when we brought you onto the stage. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. I was wearing a robe. You guys gave me a robe for that. It was less than a year ago, by the way. <laughs> oh, it was way back when. Is it two years? Anywhere between six months and six years ago, I was on stage in front of a throng, several throngs of your adoring fans who watched us, this is not an exaggeration, just engage in a satanic ritual on stage with robes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And for those who don't know, I think it's pretty obvious right now who the voice is in our intro that says the words, my assignment. That is Pablo Torre, who is on this program as we speak. He is the voice behind our intro, the opening words of our intro. He is joining us this week to unpack the backpack. From last week's Pablo Torre Finds Out episode, breaking news, the exclusive report. We're going to unpack everything here on Basketball Illuminati. Pablo, welcome to the show. Well, like you're back every week you're here with us in voice, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for that intro. Thank you for letting me be your intro. It's only fair that I look, you guys and me going back to the True Hoop days have done so many pods that I just have great fondness for, some of which, as Amin and I have repeatedly teased Dan's audience with, have never been released. Well, they were released. Well, they weren't allowed to live. <laughs> they were released. They were just taken down. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the least I could do. Of course, anytime, anytime you want me, I am, I'm honored to put on a robe again for you guys. So I find it hilarious. I find it fascinating that just one day after I founded The Finder, which is my new publication. <laughs> which is so good. It's really good. Thank you. It's my publication where I publish things that you can find at tomthefinder.com. I publish things that you can't find anywhere else, of which you'll find that Amin Al-Hassan is a founding father of The Finder, which I've found it in my heart to name the title of such a strong supporter, The Founding Finder, who are people who find $250 in their wallets to send me every year to support me like founding finder Amin Al-Hassan. Anyway. I'm so confused right now. I know people might find it hard to believe, but a day after I founded the finder, you, Pablo, founded That's Pablo nice. Torre Finds Out. So I'm wondering if you could find the words to explain how you exactly as the founder of Pablo Torre Finds Out, how you found out about the finder. Yeah, I found out about the finder the day before launching Pablo Torre Finds Out by finding you on Twitter, where I often find you, finding things. And I immediately found myself thinking, <laughs> Come on. What the f What are the odds? The odds, it turns out, are quite good. Both of us, Tom, we noticed the market inefficiency at the same time. You were one analytics-minded front office. I was another, noticing that the word find was really under-leveraged in the world of sports <laughs> podcasting. And both of us, both of us tried to pee on that tree before the other, and you got there first. I do need to acknowledge that legally speaking, that as much as I was making this thing <laughs> in the background for far longer than I care to admit, honestly, it's sad. I don't know how long it took you to come up with that name. It took me a long ass time. And so, yeah, you got there first. And I apologize for peeing on the tree after you peed on it. The tree was wet already with urine, soaked in urine. And yet you decided to walk around that tree and go pee on it again. I mean, yeah, how yeah, are you finding yeah. this? Repulsive? Grotesque? I'm finding that this segment is defined as something that is unrefined 
It is floundering. <laughs> this is not why we brought Pablo onto the show. God, I hope not. We can finally get to the big thing, okay? Oh, Mike about to get served by a legal representative here. Is that what's happening? <laughs> you might find something in your mailbox. I don't know. We'll see. Pablo, this exclusive is big. You were sitting on this for quite a while, and I didn't know about this. This is kind of in our purview at Basketball Illuminati that you got to the bottom of probably one of the biggest stories of the past calendar year in the NBA is what did Jordan Poole actually say to Draymond Green that prompted him to knock him the F out at a Warriors practice? And I think the story would have been great just to like release that and publicize that. But what you did on Pablo Torre Finds Out, which is a podcast and a YouTube show and on DraftKings Network, you can find it on 7,000 different platforms, no pun intended. You talked to Ezra Edelman because he was the one who tipped you off to this. And then you went and did an absolutely amazing journalistic scavenger hunt to verify this text message. And I'm wondering, do you still feel good about the journalism that you did, the legwork that you did to confirm, to deny, to verify this quote? I feel great about it. And I did not feel great necessarily while even recording it because Ezra Edelman, for those people who don't know, is, in my opinion, like the greatest documentarian that's in America. He's a friend of mine. He is my journalistic conscience. And so I consulted him trying to get him to participate in this episode, this investigation with me. And he didn't want to do it in a very sincere way for a very long time. Hmm. And so even us taping it, he was challenging me. The idea is this really something that you can report? How do you feel about it? And where I landed then is how I feel now, which is this has been presented with enough transparency, how I found this, the fact that Ezra got a text message from somebody that I was at dinner with him and I leapt over the table to see it. And then I decided immediately, well, I got to go like figure out how I can bring this onto the record. And so we contacted more than two dozen sources, two dozen people in and around the Warriors who would know about this stuff. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of which said to us, basically go f yourself, which I totally understood. But we got someone to verify that this in fact was the phrase that the Warriors internally had been talking about. The one that Jordan Poole had said to Draymond Green that got him punched in the f face. And so I feel great. But of course, you guys know this. When you do something like this, you get aggregated. And then all of these people who did not listen to your admittedly masturbatory, but nonetheless meaningful, <laughs> I thought, meditation on journalism, they jump in and they're like, that's not what was said. No, Cameron got this. Cameron got it first. And I'm just like, okay. So then I got frustrated about that. Otherwise, I feel good. Did Cameron actually get it first? We got something. So Cameron, who I love... <laughs> I love Cameron. I really need to say, Cameron and Mace love what they're doing, but they tried to pee on this tree. <laughs> and their urine was unfortunately clearly regurgitated ball sack sports. Like I didn't say this in the episode, but they drank a bunch of ball sack sports Whoa. and they peed it out onto the tree of like, here we are. We got it. Wow. And I just want to point this out because I didn't say this in the episode itself, but now I just feel obligated to, because people are like, no, Cameron said way better stuff. He's right. When Cameron hypothesized that what Jordan Poole said was, you know, I have more bitches than you, and don't worry about it. You'll be in Sacramento next year, and what's your handle? Money green if you're broke, blah, 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 which is funny. Mm -hmm. There was a ball sack sports fake athletic article from October 7th, 2022, mm -hmm. that had a bunch of that in there. And 
the Cameron episode with Mace in which he said all this stuff was from months later. And so I regret to inform all of the basketball Illuminati community that Cameron got ball sacked. He did. That happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dan Lebetard, the best of us, he gets sacked what weekly, it seems. And I would say that Dan also got secondhand ball sacked on this particular one because... Yes, you're right. I remember him trumpeting that Mason Cam, they have connections. These guys are connected in this world. Mm. These rappers, they know everything. They don't think the Sugats, they're, they're, they're doing our jobs now. And they've got the connections because <laughs> they've got the cachet with these athletes. And they're going to know things. They're going to graffiti the cathedral. Sugats. <laughs> the cathedral of sports. They're coming in and they're taking everything. They're throwing paint on the David. Yes. So, yes, it happens to all of us. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about Cam saying it was there's two very strong influences. With it. One is the fact that if Cam said it, there's no way he's just like us scrolling through Twitter, seeing a screenshot or an infographic and basing his opinion on this. Right. There's no, no, it's Cameron. Of course, he just picked up the phone and called Steph Curry and started rapping horse and carriage to him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> this is what would happen, right? So there's that part of it. But the other part of it also is that, and, you know, this is the part where I'm not a journalist. I have no journalistic credibility or integrity. But having worked in an official journalism place, I know there's certain things you can and cannot do. And... Cam, obviously operating outside of that purview, mm. has no part of him that says, A, is this shit real that I just read? B, saying this information I got from something I read. He says it as if he himself had the access, which he didn't. And he didn't even double check to see if this shit was even real or not. That's not a criticism. It happens. But when you combine that with he's so famous, people assume yeah. he's got inside knowledge and access, then obviously it creates this situation. Yeah. And so, look, the line that I reported, which just to be very clear about it, the line is you're an expensive backpack for 30. That is what Jordan Poole told Draymond Green before he got punched. It's a line that I think is pretty well crafted. 30 being Steph Curry, expensive backpack, both being maybe a triple entendre mm -hmm. when you get into like the is Draymond's jump shot kind of like a backpack. Yes. A kid wearing a backpack. Uh-huh. Did you mention that? I was thinking that the whole time in the episode. I didn't. I didn't mention it in the episode and I regret it. Do you think it's too inside basketball? That part just felt like my interpretation, knowing that I have a brain soaked in Internet juice. Where I'm just like, well, that's what an amazing illusion. Again, the triple entendre to the meme of Draymond's jumper looking like he's wearing a backpack. But the truth of it that I know resonated with Draymond is the part about him being a burden on Steph, who's overpaid. And this was going to be Draymond's last year. I had been told that Draymond was telling people close to him that he expected that to be his last year. No surprise to people who follow the Warriors and the NBA. Mm -hmm. He was going to be way too expensive. They're going to pay Jordan Poole. And so the economic insecurity of that is why all of this came to blows or one specific punch to the face. But that part, I'm just like, oh, Jordan Poole's kind of like, that's a pretty good line. And immediately people are like, Cameron's done it better. All right. Well, touche. What's the thing that Robert Wall said? Arliss is Robert Wall? Yes, that same Robert Wall. He had this HBO special thing where he was kind of just talking about what is truth and all this. It was actually pretty interesting, but he says, when the legend 
that comes back. Print the legend. Print the legend. Cameron's version, which is, I guess, ball sex version, <laughs> is way more inflammatory and thus makes for a much greater story. You're right. You're just an expensive backpack for 30 is cold-blooded in its efficiency. It hits close to the bone. Unlike Jordan Poole, it is very efficient. <laughs> Last season, yes. It lacks the, how shall I say, the panache. Did you not say quoi? Are you saying that Killer Cam did not have the lyrical talents of Jordan Poole? No. With his quote, with his line? Well, I guess he's reporting the line. Well, he got ghostwritten unintentionally yeah. by Ballsack Sports, which is, I believe, beneath Cameron's lyrical ability objectively speaking. But also, it is probably closer to what Jordan Poole is, to borrow off what you just said, which is it's uncommonly efficient, unlike Jordan Poole. <laughs> the ball sack version is very Jordan Poole. It's a lot of volume, and there's some hits in there, but it's just... What's interesting to me is that the number in there, 30, the nickname for Steph, 30, is almost a tell that this is inside the locker room because it's not you're an expensive backpack for Steph or Curry. It's for 30. And if the line that you looked at on Ezra's cell phone was you're an expensive backpack for Steph, something in your brain, Pablo, I'm imagining would have been like, ah, maybe this is what it was said. But the fact that it's for 30 which is the nickname for him. It gives it some authenticity. It's like, oh, I think I think this might be it. I felt it immediately. It's a, I know it when I see it kind of a deal. And you're right. That was part of it. And I can confirm also, as if this wasn't obvious, that like a non-zero number of players in the NBA have heard it in this form. Yes, this is something that is plausibly in the NBA player discourse, <laughs> this specific line, as well as something that's not been reported to be as such. On that note, Pablo, I thought it was revealing that as far as I could tell, listening to this, no one denied that that was it, right? Yeah, that's... They were more like, hey, f*** off. This is inside the, the cathedral of our locker room. Back the f*** up, reporter. They didn't say, hey, you got it wrong. It was more like, I'm not talking about this, which in, in some ways, I mean, like if you were asked about something confidential at the Suns in the locker room and they hit it, they were right. You would not text them back. Actually, that's not correct. I can't say what it was, but that is incorrect. That is, as far as I can tell, Pablo, not what happened here. There were no denials. They were just, we are not commenting. Yeah, we gave everybody the opportunity to just like weigh in however they wanted to in any form, you know, and nobody said, uh, you're on the wrong, you're on the wrong track here, hmm. which indicates to me by the transitive property that maybe we're <laughs> on the right one. Now, that's not dispositive in journalism. That's not enough to go with. But again, getting that second source, I had such amazing confidence. I would not have started this if the text was from a random, truly just like nobody person, right? I'm not going to speculate more about that, but it's just that I needed a second one. <laughs> And at that point, I'm like, mm. the text is from Draymond. <laughs> <laughs> the call was coming from inside the backpack. <laughs> yeah, it was remarkable. The self-destructiveness of this entire thing. But to your point about the Warriors and the Wizards, because we obviously went to Draymond and to Jordan and to the Warriors and to the Wizards and people around them, people around Steph, everybody. And it just became very clear that no one wanted to talk about this on the record because it mattered. The punch is incredible gossip. And that's how this started for me, right? I love, I love doing serious investigations into stupid things. This was both stupid, but also significant. 
because it ended up changing so many things. Let me ask you a question. A few years ago, Bobby Portis punched Nikola Miritich in practice and fractured his eye socket. Yes. But I feel like people have just forgotten about that. (laughs) Correct. I did until you just reminded me of it. Bobby Portis carries zero stigma from that event. Do you think this thing was such a huge deal because they were defending champs or because we saw the punch or because Draymond is just commonly a villain? I think it's the tape. It's tape. It's the TMZ tape. Yes, it's all of those things. It's a multivariate equation, right? Yes, defending champions. Yes, the backdrop of both of them wanting to get paid, only one of them getting paid, and then the flip-flop thereafter, of course, in terms of trading Jordan. But even before that happened, it was just the TMZ video. I mean, if you remember... I vividly remember getting, it was the athletic alert about a physical altercation has happened at Warriors practice Mm. between Draymond and Jordan Poole. And that was it. That was the extent of the detail. And that could have been it. And it would have been it. It could have just died there. Definitively, it would have been it, in my opinion. But then you get the security cam footage because TMZ, my understanding is, of course, they pay for it. The Warriors do an investigation into figuring out who the leaker was. Mm-hmm. No one is held to account, at least none that they have publicized. They wouldn't tell us if someone had been. Hmm. The investigation was deemed closed. But the point being that that tape was this thing that spoke to an even greater salaciousness around ego and also just human nature, right? Like, holy shit, this physical altercation was more vivid on tape than the imagined punch from Bobby Portis into Nikola Miritich's face, mm. even if Portis and Miritich were stars on the level that certainly Draymond and Jordan Poole are in excess of them. Yeah, and, and Miritich had to walk around with a mask on. Yeah. The damage from his punch was way more destructive, at least physically, than it was. Physically, yes. Than it was to Jordan Poole, although his career is kind of over, so, <laughs> or his NBA career, that is, is over. Pablo, can you tell us, how long this process took from the moment you're at dinner with Ezra, you see the text, to you come out with this story? What was that time process? Yeah, so I remember this was in August, I think, mm. when I saw the text. And immediately, within a nanosecond, I was like, again, I have content brain. I'm not proud of this, but I have content brain. Anything that I encounter in life... I ask myself, is this an episode of my show? Is this something that I can do? (laughs) For Pablo Torre finds out. Right. That one, I just knew it immediately that I wanted to try. But in terms of it took weeks, weeks of reaching out to everybody, weeks of of all of the reporting in the background, weeks of, I mean, honestly, as hard as getting the second source was convincing Ezra was harder. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. He doesn't give interviews. Yeah. I love Ezra. He's a friend of mine, but he is something of a recluse. And he only does stuff when forced to around his films, which he puts his life into. And so the idea of like, I'm going to wade into the pool full of the gas bags and the gossip and TMZ, it's kind of like antithetical to him. And so the very brief backstory is Ezra's birthday that night, I spent so much of it shamefully trying to convince him to do this. (laughs) Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Here comes the cake and the candles. But seriously, though, can we get to the main event? For real. For real. And only when, I mean, only when Ezra clearly enjoyed the parrying, the challenging of me, the undermining of my content brain, 
Only when I realized, oh, that's what he has energy on. He didn't give a fuck about this as a story story, even though he's a Warriors fan, because it just fell beneath his bar beyond the pale journalistically. Right. And he was like, it's not that serious. And I'm like, but the question of how you report this and where do we fit into this, the journalism conversation, the meta of it, yes. that he was into. And I was like, oh, well, me too. And that that's how we framed it. Let me ask you this. Journalistically, could the story have been told if... Ezra Edelman's identity is concealed. Could you have done all of this and just instead of why well, was it dinner with Ezra Edelman, which is hell of a name drop? <laughs> I was at dinner with a friend of mine who is a noted sure. figure in the entertainment world. Yes, but I think it would not have been nearly as good. Like I think I could get away with it. I could have threaded the needle of like, okay, I don't like anonymous sources everywhere, right? I want a human face to just validate. I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. Mm -hmm. That would have been the hesitation. But if I had a second source, I still could have, I think, threaded the needle on just like justifying it as a matter of like, there's news in here. But without him pushing me and challenging me on the process of making this, and this is where I'm answering this as somebody who likes that conversation, not as somebody who consumed this via clutch points. <laughs> Or NBA Central. <laughs> I don't think those people ever listened to this shit. You know, I just think they saw it and they were like, ah, Cameron did it better and then moved on. Right. But for me, I wouldn't have felt nearly as comfortable without a conscience to like actually interrogate me so that I could feel like, you know, I paid my penance to objective journalism. I think what's interesting to me about this whole story, which again, Pablo Torre finds out last week, Friday, I believe it was. Pablo. Why do you think it hadn't come out? And why do you think it was you? What does it say about the media industry? Well, we know why it was him. It's because he was privy to a text message. Because my content brain. But are we saying that other people weren't privy to that text message that saw it and were like, I'm too close to this situation. I'm going to burn bridges. I'm going to betray confidences with... Were there? I'm asking Pablo. Why does Pablo think this hadn't gotten out until now? I was worried that it would. And this is part of the story, honestly, like the meta meta of it is. That's the most journalism thing you've said all episode, by the way, <laughs> is that you were worried that you're going to get scooped. Truly. That is so true. Yes. By the way, like we rushed this out to make it come out on Friday before Monday because I didn't know what media day was going to be like. So I want to get this out before because I was worried, actively worried, like this is going to come out at some point. Right. Like, again, I've now shared this around just to fact check it. Someone somewhere is going to get to this with fewer scruples, perhaps, or maybe even more sourcing than I have, potentially. But when I saw the text, yes, I was always curious about like the punch, because there's this lineage of I'm fascinated by just what makes someone snap. Mm. That to me is a question of human nature. I just think that's really interesting. But in terms of like the specifics on because I had seen the camera podcast, I had seen the viral theories, right? So on some level, it felt like again, to torture the metaphor, it did feel like the tree had been peed on. It did feel like, well, people had talked about this already. But what occurred to me when I saw the text that Ezra received was, holy shit, I've never actually seen the actual reported version of this. Like, I did not know that it was this specifically, which reminded me that it had not been out yet. Mm. And so... I think there was that part of it, like people assumed because the rumors were so saturating everything that we've moved on from the story. It was one of those things. It was one of those theories. And then when it turned out to not be, mm, now I'm in a race against people maybe that I'm imagining who also want to get to the bottom of this.
race against time itself at espn you'd have like a big story and i remember henry abbott our editor this is like march and he's like we're gonna hold this for when the heat are in the finals in june (laughs) and i'm like no absolutely not and he's like no it's gonna be great timing the whole world is gonna be watching and consuming this content we're gonna hold on to this until June. And that was my Chris Bosch feature that I went to his house and interviewed him oh, and he gave yeah. all sorts of like revelatory quotes. All I remember is beer from that. We were <laughs> drinking craft beer that he had brewed at his house and he went after Skip Bayless and the whole Bosch Spice stuff. Yes. And I was like, oh man, Henry, we got to run this like next week. And he's like, no, no, no. Who else is going to get this? And I was like, no, but this is big and someone's going to scoop me. And what if the Heat don't make it to the finals? What if... We get there and you're like, let's wait till next week. It's Pacers Spurs. (laughs) And it's Pacers Spurs and we lose it. So much of this game behind the scenes and writing and magazine work and investigations is timing and serendipity of, hey, when are we going to get this out? We could wait, but don't we kind of want to do this right before media day, which is next week? I totally get that, Pablo. Right, right. Let me ask you a question on that note. If this were six, seven years ago, you're at ESPN, you make your appearances on PTI, on Around the Horn, on HQ, but I believe six, seven years ago, you were still technically a writer for the magazine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you have handled the story? Oh, you know, I hadn't even thought about that till just now. (laughs) (laughs) I assume there would have been a squadron of people, right? Like I would have brought this to my editors and we would have assembled the whole squad, right? The Avengers of reporters, yeah. The Warriors beat writers, the news desk would have had oversight over it. I would not have gotten to control it in the same way as my guest, which is why I'm now suddenly reflecting on this and glad that I got to handle it in my own way because the way I executed it with Ezra in a way that was, again, this weirdo conversation that was also an investigation thing, that would not have been how. There would have been a newser. I would have been fed into the machine of doing hits on like SportsCenter and all that stuff, which would have been very useful on some level, but it would have been very different than the execution that I desired. And also, now that we're thinking about like, okay, why was I racing to get this out there and how would it have been different six, seven years ago? And how is it different from the Chris Bosch story? And Draymond has a podcast. And this was another one of my favorite details in this story was that Draymond, the night it happened, recorded an episode of his podcast and then spiked it because he didn't like or had been told. The lost files of the Draymond Green podcast, yes. So somewhere out there is the episode that Draymond recorded in which he discusses this to some uncomfortable depth, Mm. uncomfortable even for a guy like Draymond, right? And so that thing that he could not say, like the one episode he never released, the one episode that he ever spiked, that he never repotted about, It was also just an interesting statement about the era we live in now, I mean, Mm. six to seven years later, where everybody has podcasts, Mm -hmm. all the principals, the protagonists have podcasts. But when it came to this specific thing, they did not want to monetize it (laughs) or capitalize on it. This one thing. And that to me was like irresistibly attractive. Which is funny because every other part of it did yeah. get monetized yes. and capitalized on it. Yes. Why do you think this part was the state secret? The video is out. I think it's because Draymond hadn't gotten his extension yet. I think because he was worried about the label of him being an expensive backpack might actually hurt his chances of getting the bag. 
by putting a stamp of approval verification on this, he's almost legitimizing the the barb. Okay, Draymond didn't want to say. Why did everyone else keep quiet about this particular part? On some level, I think the secret of what was said, it wasn't across the entire NBA. That's not my understanding of it. Mm -hmm. It's that this was a game of telephone that sort of went around again if you look at the tmz video right you can go back and we did this exercise of like so who was around mm -hmm. when the punch was thrown you can actually see there's like a dozen <laughs> the bruder film ron adams yes yeah no the ball boys bench players so we reach out to all of these guys right like you can sort of tell but in terms of who they told right i think there is this other layer of i think it speaks to the gravity of how much this hurt it wasn't like, ha, 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 look at this great line. Yeah. This was a thing, mm -hmm. I call it in the episode, this was a crossroads. And the fact that people wanted to stay away from it, Ezra brings this up, and it's such a brilliant thing by him. I asked him, like, what else does this remind you of this story? And he's like, there are two examples. One of them is Marco Materazzi in the World Cup, mm -hmm. the Italian soccer player, getting headbutted by Zinedine Zidane in the World Cup final against France. Because of a thing that was said that we only found out about in April of this year. Mm. April of this year, we finally get Materazzi say, you know, there was some back and forth about, Zidane tells him like, oh, do you want my jersey? You know, like a taunt. And Materazzi says, he says, that I'd prefer your sister. And that's when Zidane takes his shiny bald head and levels him in the chest. There wasn't a Sacramento line? Okay. okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then there was the Roberto Alomar situation with John Hirschbeck, the umpire, in which Alomar spits at an umpire on national television. And for years, we still don't know what was said in that one. We still don't know what the line was. It's been rumored. There have been theories. But no one has ever actually said, neither of them have said what it is. Mm. And so in these circumstances where there is like a snapping of a psychology that's kind of scary to people, that changes both the deliverer of the punch and the receiver, there's weirdly this gravity to it that reminds us, man, it's taken decades for some of these things to come out somehow. But you found it. In a year. Well. Less than a year. We think we found it. Less than a year, we think we have it. But this is it, right? Like, there's a pruder aspect of this still goes on because what I'm saying, what I'm reporting is that this is what we believe was said. We have sources on this. This is the clubhouse leader at the very least. But like, I wasn't there. So this is, again, the humility of like reporting this story and where it does inevitably get back to the gossip. It's like, I believe this is what was said yeah, based on every available piece of evidence. But without Jordan Poole and Draymond saying together in a joint press conference, this is why he punched me and why I said this. We are on some level limited as to the true knowledge of what exactly what lurks in the hearts of men, as they say. The shadow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Amit. The <laughs> couching of we're the leader in the clubhouse for finding it, which Pablo Torre believes he finds out is not as catchy of a title for your show. <laughs> but I appreciate the journalistic care you took by, you know, say, I, I'm not saying this is exactly what was said, but we have a lot of sourcing that suggests that this is what was said. I will say that, Pablo, it is good to see you because at the end of the episode, you did put the ultimatum out there that if Jordan Poole and Draymond Green would like to come on to my podcast, yes. my show, for the record, say it once and for all, what was said, Yep, you invited them to each punch you in the face. That's right. And I am looking journalistically right now, I mean, I can tell that... 
Pablo's face looks unpunched. That there is no bruising. <laughs> I mean, let's just say the door's not closed yet. <laughs> Pablo, you have not gotten any sort of confirmation that Draymond and Jordan, you've not recorded a joint statement from them on Pablo Torre finds out. As of this taping, correct. Okay. As of this taping, correct. The offer stands. I don't know if the Columbia School of Journalism is down for such offers, but I feel like it's an irresistible one. So help me find out again, please. That's Pablo Torre of Pablo Torre finds out the voice of basketball Illuminati, the spirit on these journalistic scavenger hunts to get to the bottom of these stories. It is truly an honor to have you on the show. But Amin, why don't you take him out? The door's that way. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Vic. <laughs> oh, I have to show myself out. Okay. Well, I just told you where the door is. Got it. This is how you treat the voice of basketball Illuminati. I mean, do you have any breaking news on on the Jimmy Butler email thing? Yep. I've been doing some journalism of my own, some truth telling of my own, trying to get to the bottom of just how long. Ezra Edelman text? Yeah. Shout out to Ezra Edelman. And I got confirmation that originally there was going to be a different concept, but they were worried about long lasting damage to the hair as a result. Whoa. Jimmy Butler was. Yeah. Would have to go bald, yes, basically. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with going bald? He looked too much like his dad, <laughs> Michael Jordan. Oh, man. So instead, they said, Oh, what if we did the Evo hair? And then when the trade happened, it was like, Well, this makes too much sense. So there you have it. Yeah, I guess a flat iron is less damaging than whatever else they were cooking up. What do we think that was? I think like a conk or something. A conk? Yeah, like Malcolm X. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm very white. Whoa, oh, okay. two Americas. What, what the fuck? Was that a conch shell that just <laughs> happened or was that a oh. whale sound? I don't know what that was. <laughs> that was Ron Burgundy giving the conch signal to Anchor Team Channel 7. Assemble! Assemble! How many of our listeners have to go Google conch, C-O-N-K now? I mean, I'm about to. If I had Googled it, I would have said C-O-N-C-H. Mm -hmm. That's how white I am. Yeah, it's not that one. Also, how many of our listeners are going to have to listen to Basketball Illuminati in a very different form in a very different place starting next week? All of them. Yes. Every single one. And let's save them a Google and tell them that we've been acquired in a blockbuster acquisition, it was back and forth all year, all summer, all off season. Mm -hmm. There was stock prices rising and falling. Numbers in India. Falsified reports. We've got a power struggle over here at Basketball Illuminati. Who's going to take over the company? Wait, who is the disgusting brothers in this? You. Disgusting brothers. <laughs> Definitely Tom. Definitely the married man. With two lovely daughters is one of the disgusting brothers, not me, <laughs> out here living a single life in San Francisco. Ooh, hold on, that makes you Cousin Greg. You're tall and you're single and you're awkward. He is my doppelganger, yes. Yeah, and my name is Tom. <laughs> there you go. 
Amin somehow dodged out of the disgusting brothers conversation. <laughs> but that's right. Next week, we will be on Oddball with Amino Hassan and Charlotte Wilder. Yep. We're going to cook up some new ideas for how this show is going to live on going forward. But continue to keep your third eye open, folks. We'll still be out there. Yes. The Illuminati never go away. It's always going to be out there. Even if you don't see us, we're there and we're watching and we're uncovering and truth-telling, connecting the dots always. But for the time being, it will be relegated to once a week on Oddball. Oh, no, not relegated. Promoted. Promoted. Yes. Elevated. How about this? We'll be concentrated in. Mm, yes. Instead of being an hour long once a week, we're going to be, call it 10, 12 minutes once a week, but it's going to be laser focused on one topic. Uncut, just yes. pure Potent. Pure basketball Illuminati. Concentrated Illuminati. Bolivian marching powder. You're going to have to be careful ingesting this much truth at a time. Might have to cut it with something. Maybe the rest of oddball. Yeah. <laughs> an oddball? An eight ball? No, an oddball. of. Oh, oh. One, one last go around for puns. Let me look up Evo Vans for the third time today. <laughs> <laughs> to all of the illumination out there. Just because we are changing formats, you have to stay vigilant and keep your third eye open. This is not a goodbye. This is just, we are changing form a little bit. We love y'all and keep your third eye open. And don't unsubscribe from this feed. Do not <laughs> unsubscribe from this feed. I cannot stress enough. It is very important you stay subscribed because you never know when the Illuminati come back out of the shadows and rise again. But in the meantime, we'll be posting oddball episodes here.